0: Coming in this week with a double celebration, welcome to Hand of Pod. To episode 412 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Santi.
1: Hi there. And How's it going in this beautiful, beautiful
0: afternoon? Uh, yeah, a, a little bit frustrating on this end, Santi, as, as you already know. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully we'll manage to get something recorded now that we've been able to get started. And Andres is here as well. Hi guys. And uh, here, just for the record, is in fact the uh, wonders of the internet as usual, I was hoping that we'd be able to record at Dan's today, not least because it was our birthday on Saturday. And the pod is now 11 years old. I totally forgot about this last week, uh, but we will have our proper birthday uh, episode next week when we're when Dan's back from holiday and we're all able to record in person. Uh, if you think that my voice sounds a little bit hoarse or deeper than usual, as Andres just pointed out, it's because I've just spent several minutes. Uh, in fact, getting on for an hour, pretty much shouting at the computer um, because of reasons. I've got a new computer, and when I finally managed, oh Zoom have also updated to a ridiculous new system that you send people an invitation and then you click start meeting and it starts a different meeting from the one you've just invited them to, uh, which meant I was sitting around wondering where these two were for about twenty five minutes. I remember when we found out and we all got onto the same meeting. Uh, my new computer doesn't seem to want to play ball with the microphone properly. So we're recording on the old one for now. But anyway, the main thing is here we are. And the fortunate thing is, given those circumstances, uh, we don't have a particularly long recording this evening uh, to do because there was no club football during the weekend just gone in Argentina. I have to admit, I'm not entirely sure why. For, normally, for election weekends, uh, there's football on Fridays and Saturdays and Mondays. And there's just no football on Sunday, but this weekend just gone for whatever reason. uh, the, The decision was taken to just not have any football at all. So we're not reviewing any club football. We're just reviewing Argentina's World Cup qualifying doubleheader. And therein is the second part of this week's celebration because Argentina have rounded off a 2021 that really couldn't have gone any better from the footballing point of view with the earliest ever, well, ever is not quite right, but the earliest World Cup qualification, apparently, uh, since CONMEBOL began their single-group round-robin. A 1-0 win over Uruguay in Montevideo last week was followed up just last night, as we were recalling on Wednesday, so on Tuesday evening, in San Juan, by a 0-0 draw at home to Brazil. And that sealed qualification, thanks in part to Ecuador beating Chile 2-0 away a few hours later. Uh, I'm not argentine of course but Santi and andres you both are or at least that's what you've been telling me for all these years so congratulations
1: <laughs> oh th- thank you thank you very much uh, sam uh it's uh I think it's, it is exactly as he, as you said before i mean it's, it's it's been a brilliant brilliant year of football for for the Argentina national team um not just because of you know the more obvious stuff, the the early qualification to to the World Cup and uh, the the fact that we we won the Copa America we remain unbeaten in two years actually we haven't lost a, 27 we haven't lost since uh, Brazil uh, beats us in the semifinal of the 2019 Copa America uh, that that's been the last time um, but apart from the obvious and the stuff you you can actually you know look for yourself you know the numbers um there is this feeling of uh of joy and uh op- and general optimism and uh unwavering support that the national team you know hasn't enjoyed in such a long time in such a really 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 long time i, I think um you know most people most people are mentioning you know uh, bielsa uh, and uh, the the qualification process under him as uh, the the linchpin, I think, for for such a such a brilliant team and such a and, and such an unwavering you know and such a wa- unwavering support from the fans before. But even when you when you go back to Savela, there were some massive massive doubts about uh, Romero and uh, the the defenders back then. There were there was some skepticism as regards to that i mean there was no doubt about uh, the the four people up front back then the the fantastic four as, as they were known back then but uh but there was still you know many doubts about the argentina team in 2006 i think uh the the more i think that was a team that came that came together during that world cup i mean it was already a team that showed a lot of promise it was a brilliant squad, but I think it was a team that came together or reached its best, uh, it was at its best during that World Cup, not before. Mm. Uh, But when it comes to to, to this current Scaloni side, I think uh, we finally found a team that you can actually um, name the starting lineup by heart um, that certainly has some key aspects to to work on, especially uh, when you consider how Argentina struggled in the absence of some key players like Paredes, uh, Messi even, even when Messi wasn't at, at 100%, he was far from it. Paredes as well in the game against Brazil. Uh, you could tell that uh, the the people who substitute, substituted them were not quite, uh, you know, at the same level as they were. They were it is clear to see what uh, contribution, Paredes and Messi um, offer offer to the table, um, but still, I mean, this is a team that is showing. Uh, I mean, some of the some of the deficiencies, to some of the stuff that still needs to be ironed out in terms of you know, the tactical setup and um, the football itself. I think they're they're being uh, massively massively. Outweighed by this incredible mentality and determination to see out games and to and to keep a clean sheet every time, even even in tough circumstances uh, like uh, that Brazil game or even the Uruguay game, which despite Uruguay being without nine players, they they were still I think the best team in the best team in the the best team in the night, and uh, they. They actually made a very, very decent chance to a very decent argument to to actually take all three points, and they didn't.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that was the but, point uh, that, that we made last week, really, Santi, wasn't it? Uh, Uruguay might be, frankly, not much good anymore, and and we, I think we both certainly, I expected it to be a bit more comfortable than it was, but we we did both say Uruguay in Montevideo is never a, just an outright easy fixture, even when you require a, a bit crap.
1: Yeah, especially considering the fact that Uruguay were, are in a pretty dire situation. Well, mm. well I won't say dire, but, you know, there are a lot of teams in the fight for for qualification. Now Uruguay are uh, one of the less uh, fortunate teams in that sense. I mean, they, they had a, a torrid uh, string of games. but uh, and, and you can explain the, the determination and the intensity that they showed. Um, the, despite not having some of our key players through that, but um, yeah, but even even so, I think Argentina have this combination of sheer mental strength and even some luck to to see these games out to um, actually create chances out of nowhere and to to just um, close out games in a way that uh, in a way that even even if um, they they still have stuff to work on i think the squad even if uh, you have like 20 names that are you know set in stone because of the of the usual suspects being called up every single time i think there are some some aspects some key areas where argentina are, are a little thin i think in terms of you know uh the difference between the the starting line the starting lineup and the substitutes um this is still a team with such incredible confidence and incredible, you know, mentality that you you really feel like you could, uh, they could, uh, they could make the case to, to play some incredible 90 minutes against anyone. And that's the biggest strength of this team by far in 2021. They, they matured in this way so rapidly and with a actual silverware to show for it as
0: well. Yeah. Um, Andres, you've got a longer memory of, of watching and supporting Argentina than, well, obviously than I have and, and that Santi has for that matter. How far do you have to look back before you can find an Argentina side? I mean, A, an Argentina side that, that, that can you know, go toe-to-toe with this one, that could compare with it, but also since the last time Argentina had a calendar year at national team level that's been as good as 2021 for them.
2: Well, I, I remember, of course, that uh, uh, if you talk about the qualifiers, that the wheels, the team that that uh, with in the bench was also uh, uh, as good as this, and uh, the, the, of course the Basile uh, uh, era with uh, two the two Copa Americas that the Argentina won with him in the bench also were were uh, I think the greatest teams uh, after before before this uh, that that Scully was able. Able to build, and the thing that that Argentina faced uh, these two matches against Brazil and Uruguay that previously you will you will think that they were will be tough and they were tough, but knowing that they, that uh, with, uh, having good results and with the help of other results like it happened will get the qualifier the finally will be able to qualify to 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 Qatar. Uh, I think that that was also also. Uh, helpful, but uh, uh, I, I remember those those two teams. I I I don't have a great memory either. So, uh, but I can tell you that uh, those teams uh, uh, with bilsa in the qualifiers, to, uh, uh and then the, the Basile teams in the Copa America in 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 Chile and Mexico was it right uh, in 1991 and 1993 were mm. were also. Uh, provided with great football and and the, perhaps same confidence that the, the, this uh, team by Scaloni is showing. Yeah, indeed. Um, the I, I was slightly
0: surprised when I saw this stat about it being the earliest uh, qualification that Argentina have had in in the single round robin format. Not least because in was it 2006 when under Peckerman. Um, they they went through everyone in South America like a knife through hot butter and I thought that would surely they must have, have qualified automatically then but uh, Santi mentioned in passing um, how uh, scrambling a lot of the teams further down the table are um, we're going to go into that in more detail and particularly look at all of their uh, various run-ins in Hand the Pot Extra a bit later but how Far in advance did did Pecco or was it Bielsa in 2002 was that the team that that won the qualification group by an absolute mile because Brazil weren't involved, were they?
1: No, I think uh, I think you know the last time the the last time we we qualified so early, I think it was with four or th- three or four games to go. Um, I think when we, um, for example, 2006, we qualified by beating Brazil. And by then, there, there were four games to go, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, okay. So uh, the, the, this stuff about qualifying the earliest ever has a lot to do with the fact that the Brazil match in Brazil hasn't yet been played. So Argentina and Brazil have got five games to go, but everyone else has got four. I mean, the maths are, are that there were yeah, 12 that, points to play for, case. effectively. But right, I and see. also,
1: yeah, also, it also has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, uh, there is such a, big gap between Brazil, Argentina and everyone else. And mm. everyone else has also, uh, have also dropped a lot of points between each other. You know, I think, um, the only, the only team with, uh, rather similar record to Argentina and Brazil is Ecuador, which, uh, I think their only defeats must come against Argentina and Ecuador, uh, and Brazil. If I'm not mistaken, or maybe they, they got one or two more, but, uh, they basically um, they 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 have the six point six points uh, less than Argentina. So I mean that could very much be the case that they they've uh, they picked up picked up enough points against everyone else except Argentina and Brazil. So but if you look at the other the rest of the of the qualifying teams, you have like a lot of teams with 17, 16, 15 points. Yeah. Which means um, they are just uh, Facing off against each other every single time with completely unpredictable results.
0: And they rather bizarrely, actually, I'm just looking at Ecuador's run now, and their defeats. Of, how many have they lost? They've lost, oh, they've lost five. Okay, they they lost to Venezuela um, just last month in Caracas to Uruguay in right. Montevideo in September. But then prior to that, there was oh, that's the Copa America knockout stage. Uh, they lost to that's all. That's the Copa America group stage. Uh, to Peru at home, to Brazil away, and to Argentina away um, oh, so in the, the very first match of the qualifying round, really Brazil. Prefer. Pardon? So they still have to play Argentina and Brazil. They've still got a home match against Brazil. That's next up. And an away match against Ecuador uh, against Argentina. Sorry, a home match against... Wait, I'm getting confused about who's home and who's away here. They have home matches Against Brazil and Argentina left. Brazil is their next match. Uh, Argentina will be the very last match of the qualifiers, and in between that, they've got to visit Peru and Paraguay. Um, as I've said already, the the sort of the group just below them, there are like five teams all within about two points of each other, and we will be discussing those on Handapod Extra and looking at the actual runnings. But yeah, Ecuador deserve a, a pat on the back because they are not quite there, um, but although they do still have. Brazil and Argentina to host, it would be a, I think a surprise at this stage if they didn't manage to get over the line. Andres, you were going to say something.
2: Yes, yes. luckily luckily, it will be the last match of the qualifiers that uh, against Ecuador uh, mm. uh, away because provided they, the way they are playing right now uh, it will be a really, really tough match. Uh, I will say even uh, tougher than, than the one Argentina played against Uruguay uh, but uh, of course Argentina has their quality. Qualification uh, already warranted. and uh, I was I really, really surprised about the, the the how Alfaro changed. I think he, he he if you compare, you could say it was a really uh, similar work that he did, like like Scarlett did in Argentina, and he changed literally changed the, the face of the of the team. And, and I really I didn't think he would be like this, but. Uh, uh, well, defeating Chile, perhaps it, it was it it was a uh, uh, great for them. But uh, uh, perhaps even when Chile is not uh, uh, going through a, their best moment, precisely. But I, I guess I really was surprised. I didn't think he would do work like this. Yeah, no, it's, it's been good. It has to be
0: said. I think the forwards that they've got and and the width that. Uh, well, the Ecuadorian teams generally, for, you know, the club level as well in the in the Continental Cups have been playing with for the last few years, do kind of play nicely into Alfaro's preferred counter attacking style of football. Um, and yeah, the, the one thing that really stands out looking at the league table actually is that the biggest difference between Brazil and Argentina and Ecuador is the defence. Brazil have let in four goals in 13 matches. Argentina have let in six goals in 13 matches. And Ecuador have the next best defence in the group, and they've, they've conceded 13, so it's more than twice as many as Argentina. Obviously, they've played wow. one match more, but um, that really is, is you know, they, they've, they've scored three more than Argentina, four fewer than Brazil. So, you know, comparable numbers, um, albeit in, in one match more. Uh, but the defence is, is really the big difference, and it's pretty eyebrow-raising when you consider some of the things we've been saying about Nicolas Otamendi on this podcast over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean even, even in the game against uh, Brazil, I mean it's 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 it was such a such a divisive performance because uh, I mean it was a game where he should have and must have absolutely been sent off for a cynical elbow on Rafinha's face, which left him bloody and which he uh accompanied by lifting him off the ground and uh creating a scramble against him, which, I mean, you can't be any more cynical than that. And still, when Guti when Romero uh, limped off and was replaced by Pesela, we feared the worst. And I think from that moment on, we began to see the best version of Otamendi. He began to defend a lot, a lot higher up the pitch. He was excellent to cut out any, any semblance of a Brazil counterattack. He was very solid to, you know, uh, recycle the ball and um, try to maintain possession while Brazil were, you know, uh, they were uh, pretty much in their own box and waiting for them to launch a counter. But uh, he was really tidy, really, really tidy.
2: Yeah. Uh, also about... surpri- Go on, yeah, that That is also surprising because uh, we have been saying that Coutinho uh, uh, Romero. Uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, got into the team and was uh, outstanding, but also made Otamendi be better. Uh, and in this case, uh, Romero went out, and like Sandy says, uh, Otamendi was, was like uh, understood that he, he uh, uh, needed to be the leader of the of the defense, and, and well, he he did he did well. Yeah, I was going to say Argentina
0: my help by uh, Neymar's absence. Uh, Vinicius Junior is a promising youngster, but he's nowhere near on the level of Neymar, obviously. Um, But all the same, Otamendi did, I mean, Sandy was saying, reacted well to snuff out a couple of Brazil counterattacks. There was one in particular in the second half where there was a long ball played up into the, well, for Brazil, the left hand channel. Otamendi charged across from the opposite side of the pitch and the commentators afterwards were mentioning that he almost started running as the Brazil player was was launching that well-directed long pass because um, he'd already worked out what was going to be going on. And so there is, you know, a degree to which I've I've, I've heard. Obviously, we don't get to see very much Portuguese um, league football down here on the television, but I've, I've heard that Otamendi's not been in brilliant form since joining Benfica. Um, but there's a degree to which all of that experience obviously counts for something when it comes to reading the game. But the elbow in the first half was, I mean, Argentina was so fortunate to still have 11 men on the pitch at halftime. Um, and we've had a bit of fun on the WhatsApp group, on the Handapod WhatsApp group today, um, joking. Well, no, not, not joking. So I was just uh, sharing some of the, uh, the, the tweets and, and the news around what's been, what was said in the VAR office with the assistant referee looking at it and going, yeah, no, there's definitely contact there. And then realizing that the referee hadn't awarded a foul, he awarded Argentina and goal kick, and
2: and saying, oh, "Tell me, he's awarded a foul at least." No, oh God. And uh, and it's I think it's suspicious that uh, Colmebol didn't last that uh, that much in suspending both Andres Cunha and and Artur Hitch, the, the 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 bar uh, referee. Uh, it is strange because it's like they were expecting something like this because uh, they didn't. Uh, uh took too much take too much to analyze uh, it was only the the, the the audios of the bar was were enough to 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 make the decision of of suspending uh, both referees and of was also the the one that the main referee for the draw between uh, Boca and Atletico Mineiro in, in Copa Libertadores in which Boca was clearly uh, well uh, uh, Mineiro was clearly benefit like
0: oh, the the Boca goal oh, that was disallowed for
1: offside. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I think uh, well, atokic was actually the the referee in the final of the of the Copa America, which we won, and which I think it was. Uh, it is generally agreed that he was pretty decent um, in his refereeing in that game. I think it it has to do more with uh, how Cunha decided to carry the game out by, you know, just letting. Both teams kick the shit out of each other and just show occasional yellow cards every now and then. Actually, if you, if I remember correctly, the first uh, the first yellow cards he brandished were just at the end of the first half because of a scuffle between Paredes, I think, and uh, who else was it? I think it was Fred, but uh, not because of mm. a foul, but because
0: of a scuffle between two players. Which in, is in know, fairness, Santi. The, the description letting the two teams kick the shit out of each other and just waving a yellow card around now and then that, that could describe 99% of matches in com level at club or international level.
1: Yeah, that, but that that I think that says more about the referees than yeah. the, the actual games. Oh, indeed, because absolutely. I mean, there were 41 fouls in this game mm. 41, 20 for Argentina 21 for Brazil, which is crazy considering the the fact that there were no sending offs, considering the fact also that at least one of them should have happened and maybe another, I think for a high, for a high tackle, I think from, I don't know if it was uh, the ball or Paredes or something like that, but I, I remember that that there, there could have been a case for another sending off for Argentina.
0: Yeah. The, the other weird one was, I mean, it was one of the things that we were laughing at most on, on the group earlier was as separate pointed out was that in that, audio, well, video in which you could hear the bar discussion, um, there, there was a point where you could hear the referee on the pitch walk up to Otamendi and sort of say to him, why do you have to play like this? And Otamendi claiming he hadn't touched him. But, I mean, that does, well, objectively, pretty funny. Um, that does suggest that the referee had actually seen Otamendi swing an arm. I mean, if he doesn't think anything's happened, then why is he asking Otamendi why he has to do that? um and that does sort of make you think well why hang on a second if, if you if, if you've seen the content then okay if, if you don't think it's deliberate then that's one thing but surely it's at least a booking and a free kick uh it well it, it was a yellow too.
2: card it was a yellow card according to the bar uh, mm. they say that uh, yeah, watching they, again they the play they say it was a yellow card not red one not yeah they
0: weren't card. certain enough that it was uh that it was deliberate to, to be able to award a red card but that uh, it was clearly a yellow and a and a free kick. And yeah, just as I say, if if, if the ref is saying to Ottomendi, why, why do you need to do this? Come on, you're better than this, then that does suggest he's seen Otamendi go in like that. It, yeah, just ridiculous. Um the match itself, though, apart from you know the the disciplinary business, um didn't really Oh, it's said according to my app here. By the way, Santi, it was Lucas Paqueta that Paredes was fighting with just before halftime. All oh, right, right. there we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, the match itself never really caught light, was it? There, there have been better, um, more entertaining clashes between Argentina and Brazil. It has to be said. Argentina started well, I mean, to sort of come out of it a little bit in the uh, last five minutes or so of the first half, and perhaps in the second half of the second half, Argentina were on top, but there wasn't really much to choose between them.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I, I, I think it disagree slightly. I think you had uh, most of the things we expect from an Argentina-Brazil game. You know, you had uh, your your high kicks and your scuffles and your elbows to the face and uh, a couple insane shows of trickery, first from Rafinha and then from beresis Jr., um, there were a couple, you know, big chances for each side. You had, you know, for example, uh, Fred had a hit at, uh, had a hit at the crossbar, and then the uh, ball forced a great save from from Allison in the first half. Uh, I mean, maybe it was more kind of like a chess uh, chess kind of game in, in the sense that there were two teams that uh, bypassed the midfield and pressed really high and uh, just tried to... To launch, uh, to launch attacks as quick as possible. I think Brazil fed better than Argentina in that sense, but I think Argentina had a better grasp of, of the game because they they relied on that midfield and and tried to uh, grow stronger in possession. Uh, but overall, I think it was a uh, it had its it, it had its moments. I think this game, even if it wasn't, you know, some gung ho kind of kind of kind of game with two teams that throwing caution to the wind. I think it was, you could tell that there was a lot of, a lot at stake, even if uh, in practical terms, there was nothing at stake because Brazil were already qualified and Argentina were about to. So I think it was just a, a textbook. Uh,
0: derby. Yeah. That's that's that. I would have liked to see a little bit more football. Um, to go with all of the, uh, the other stuff. But yeah, I mean, you're right in as much as those of us who have watched a lot of these fixtures kind of know that there's always a reasonable chance that a match between Argentina and Brazil is going to end up going that way. Um, it was... T- uh, t- taking both matches, the Uruguay match as well, as you know, the, the two of them as, as a unit, as it were, it was probably the most underwhelming um, international break for Argentina including the Copa America, of course, uh, of the year, uh, you know, I thought really probably the two most underwhelming performances that they've put in, uh, but back to back, it, it looks unfortunate, but very much a box ticking exercise really, right? Job done against two of the more difficult opponents, obviously the two classicos that Argentina uh, have uh, both in the space of a few days and even then, there were still bright spots. You know, Rodrigo de Paul continues to be excellent um, in midfield, even with Paredes obviously just coming back from injury, uh, having not played since the last time he played for Argentina, um, being a little bit disappointing, and, and Giovanni Occielso looking rather off colour. Um, de Paul was is, is still all action. You know, the move from one league to another doesn't seem to have affected him at international level, at least at all. Um, and yeah, the the very much the future of the Argentina engine room, as you were saying earlier, Santi, we can recite the starting eleven from memory, give or take a, a right back here or there. Um and they they know how one another play. And, and so it, we're not criticizing. We, you know, generally speaking, Argentina fans, the media, um have been giving this team a an, an easy ride because they've earned it, right? There's not really anything negative to say, even after a couple of relatively humdrum performances. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, you you do have a an incredibly solid uh, base to, to build on uh, this starting lineup. And uh, as I said before, the, the, the extreme confidence. in in itself that this team that it still has this team acquired uh, with the passing of games uh, I think um, you could have a a lot worse to to build on especially considering how we reached the last World Cup uh, and how that turned out Mm. Um, so I think it's it's, uh, time to be thankful also you know we shouldn't of course uh, I think we shouldn't shy away from you know, making criticisms with the RGU I think uh, we probably need uh, someone to step up in the in the Lo Celso role to even. I mean, if it isn't Lo, Lo Celso, to to add this this kind of creative spark and uh, to 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 look for Messi more, maybe uh, in the way that Lo Celso did at at his best. Something that's not exactly. Uh, coming right now uh, between his uh poor form with tottenham and uh this uh this quiet games that he's is having with Argentina and the fact that he has he probably has no uh natural replacement with uh, Palacios, his injury struggles uh and uh, the fact that Papu Gomez is probably too advanced a player for that role i think that's that's something that uh we, we're gonna have to work on but you know it is much better to work on those issues when you're already qualified to the World Cup with a year in advance than if, uh, you know, you're still about uh, about to play with two weeks away from playing at the World Cup, you know. So um, the, this is, this is going to be so so useful for Scaloni to, you know, try to address these issues and uh, even try out new players if that's necessary. So, um, I mean, it's so positive from from, from this moment on.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to briefly ask as well, the uh, you know, last week we were, was it last week, Santi, that you and I were talking about Julian Alvarez uh, quite some detail and the uh, yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. form that he's been in for River, which is a good way of bringing Andres back into the conversation now. Um, and I, I just kind of, I, I noted that, so at halftime against Brazil, Lautaro Martinez, who of course was playing at centre forward, was subbed for Joaquin Correa. Um, and then later on, with about 15, 20 minutes to go, uh, Alvarez came on for Di Maria, which meant that, I mean, Joaquin Correa can can play in, in a wider role, whereas Alvarez is being played, as he has been, you know, really throughout his Argentina career, and of course he's much more of a bit part player for Argentina at this point, but he's, he's being played in a role that's a bit less familiar to him than, you know, very much through the middle for River, and I just thought... There were, there were a few times during his almost cameo appearance last night where I was thinking it'd be nice to see him given the chance through the middle. Obviously, he's not going to be competing with Lautaro Martinez for, for the main centre forward spot. But particularly given that Correa can play wide, um, I just wondered about maybe giving Alvarez a chance to, to play centre forward rather than out on the wing. I don't know what you two think of that.
2: Yes, it, I think it will be a good opportunity for him to, to prove what he's capable of uh, in an in a important match for Argentina, playing in the center in the center of the forward. But um, I think it's two months for the next match, uh, important match, which is the uh, or at least the qualifier, which is against Chile. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, we, we don't know whether he will s- still be at River. I think he will, but uh, um uh, I think it will be a good chance also for for other players like that. Scaloni have been calling for this round, uh, uh, like uh, Enzo Fernandez and, and Santiago Simon in the case of River or Cevallos in the case of Boca. But I think that that is exactly what Scaloni will do in the next uh, uh, at least two or three matches, uh, which will be of course good for 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 to these things to test players to see what how how they respond. Uh, because of course we have four matches of the qualifiers and then perhaps some friendlies and not a, not a lot of more more matches to 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 test uh, to play to play or to to see players. So yes, I think it will be a, a good possibility.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point actually. And the other thing, of course, is that the uh, the next double header, which is going to be taking place on the very end of January and, and the first of February, um, is going to be at towards the end of possibly still during the, the summer break from domestic football here in Argentina. So it'll be interesting to see um, which players from that local group Scaloni calls up and how much game time he gives them with that in mind as well. And obviously considering the fact that the players who are coming down from Europe are going to be much more uh, right in the middle of competition. Still by that point, the winter breaks so over there will have, I assume will have finished one or two of them might still be going on. Um, I'm a bit hazy being, being from England, you know, never really having to pay attention to, winter breaks because we don't have one. Uh, I'm not really sure when the various countries have them exactly, but um, I would think that by the end of January, they'll be largely over. Um, we're going to take a halftime break now because Zoom is about to run out on us. So when we come back, we will have a look at Argentina's remaining fixtures in the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, we will have a very brief chat about the situation in the women's championship, which I believe Santi Uh, attended a match off earlier today so that's a good chance to bring that in and we will answer some of your listeners questions don't go away
3: Um, Santi just informed me at the end of that uh, first half that my voice sounded a little bit odd, so I'm hoping it sounds a bit better now. I've just reconnected the microphone and crossing my fingers that everything is a bit improved, but anyway, this has been an accident film recording so far from a technical point
1: of view, so hopefully nothing else goes wrong. Um, yeah, I just warned you because I mean, I knew you would uh, I knew you would uh, be really pissed at me if I didn't, <laughs> indeed um
3: yes from, anyway.
2: uh, beforehand it looked like you were like drunk we had drugs and now it was like if you had already run a lot uh, like it was very very high like something like said okay yeah it must be um Things are going on. The, mic, the microphone's
3: a little bit old, and obviously the controls are starting I, to. I think that for,
2: it will be funny for the listeners at least,
3: but well. Uh, oh, yeah, you. they all seem to find it hilarious when it happened before, and none of you bothered to mention it. So, anyway, um, Argentina have four remaining matches. As I already stated, just to remind you both before we start recording, uh, before we, we start discussing this, uh, everybody else's run ins will be the discussion on Hand of Pod Extra in a little while. So, we're not going to go into too much depth on Colombia and Peru and Paraguay and Uruguay and Bolivia and Chile. Um, but uh, just Argentina's four remaining games are Chile versus Argentina on the 27th of January. Um, Argentina versus Colombia on the 1st of February. And then 24th of March is Argentina versus Venezuela and closing out the group stage well closing out the stage in the, the qualifiers in fact because there's only a group stage isn't there um on the 29th of march ecuador versus argentina so two home matches two away um all against you know teams who are not as good as argentina at present it has to be said um how many points do we think are going to be taken from these four champs well
1: you I think first of all you do, you do have to take into account the fact that Chile are actually so so desperate to get points from these and the other three games that uh they are actually planning to um are planning to to host the game in Calama oh, at yeah. uh, 2200 meters of altitude uh just to give them an advantage which to be honest, I do not think it's quite the advantage they think it will be for them. No, because, because it's not uh, as if I mean, their
3: players are all that used to playing up high anyway.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean it's a rather questionable, you know, uh, tactic. It's a bold strategy. Let's see if it works out for them. Uh but anyway, um
2: the thing is that they then they play against Equal in Quito, in, in right? So they say that they, that also will be helpful for them to get to get adapted to. Ah, that would make sense. That yeah. would make sense. Uh,
3: it's uh, Yeah, in fact, they're against Bolivia in La Paz a few ah, days Bolivia, later. Bolivia, sorry. Um, so even more sense, arguably. And I suppose it gives them a shorter journey as well, if they're traveling overland. I'm not sure how they'll be getting, getting there. But... Um, a significantly shorter journey if they're traveling overland to La Paz.
1: Yeah, um, but
3: the thing is, uh, Argentina
1: did beat Bolivia in La Paz. Uh, I mean, they did beat a, an awful, awful Bolivia side, which is you know much worse than Chile. But you do also have to take into account that um, Arturo Vidal was sent off for an extremely high boot to to an Ecuadorian face. Oh, uh, yeah. So, and they would, and uh, it it also has to be determined how long Alexis Sanchez will be out. Through his injury, I mean, there's still about two months before that game, but uh, I mean, we, we still have to see if Alexis will make it, um, to that game as well. So that's that means you know the the two best players in that squad are either uh, discarded or in doubt to to face Argentina in Calama. Oh, so
3: I would say you're being a little bit harsh on I do Vargas there, but um, yeah, and and arguably, I think Vargas
1: lost his place to Ben Burton. At, yes. this point, at this point,
3: it's, uh, so... this being an English language podcast, we have to point out that Ben Britton is the star of the Chilean national side these days. Um, and t- to some small extent, that might in part explain yes, the problems.
2: They ended the match uh, against uh, Ecuador with Sierra Alta, the, the center back, I think he is, uh, like uh, Rando Schiavi did with when Maradona was uh, in charge of Argentina bench. <laughs> In, in as a striker so it is yeah. yes and as
1: a result they considered a second and in the 92nd minute
2: mm-hmm.
3: yes they did uh, which was the um well what ultimately proved to be the the decisive one for from argentina's point of view uh because it put the match beyond doubt and, and sent argentina for certain to the World Cup. Uh, you might be looking at the table, incidentally, if you are looking at the table while we're recording this and thinking, but hang on, Argentina are 12 clear of the playoff spot with 12 points to play for. Uh, oh, they're not, are they? They're 13 clear, in fact, so they are definitely Oh, no, 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 they're, it, difference of 12 points. Um, but of course, Peru and Colombia and Chile, the, the, the teams down there have all got to play each other in the running, which means that they can't all get maximum points and therefore, they can't finish above all of them can't finish above argentina uh, some of them can but it's impossible for enough of them to finish above argentina to push argentina out of the automatic qualification spots as it is i suspect that argentina are going to start as favorites in all four of the matches um and as we will discuss on underpod extra when we're discussing the individual run-ins of all these teams um it, it's kind of difficult to, to work out whether any of them are going to be more even. It's, it's quite hard to see where the momentum is. Um, obviously, I'm kind of excluding the, the away match against the very well-informed Ecuador in the final round here. Um, but certainly between Chile away, Colombia at home and Venezuela at home, clearly Venezuela's going to be the easiest fixture, right? You would think. They are bottom of the group and the only team who can't mathematically make it to Quetta, still. Um, but Chile and Colombia, much of a muchness, really, right, for, for the next doubleheader for me. I mean, in terms of current form and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I think you, you won't get a, an easier game, I think, than than that one. But uh, I mean, I think in in terms of you know how many points we can we can get, I I would say that I would be I would be you know comfortable with getting at the very very least eight. I think.
3: Yeah, so you go for two wins and two draws. Um, yeah, I I think that that's. Still- by the time you get to Ecuador, I think there's going to be some um, box ticking, as it were, mentality and just, yeah, let's just get this over with. Let's not get anybody injured. Let's nobody get suspended and all that stuff um, in the last match. I, I'm going to up the stakes a little bit from from your guess, Santi. I'm going to go for 10 points. I think it'll be a draw against Ecuador, but I think they'll, they'll win the next three matches. Prior yeah,
1: to that. I, I'm taking I'm taking uh, into account the fact that um, there's a rather high chance that we might play some of these games without Messi. Oh,
3: do you reckon? Do
1: you think PSG will get their way? I mean, there there's just no not uh, not an urge to to play with Messi anymore. I think uh, until. Until the, the 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 last few friendlies before the World Cup, and I think it would be also a pretty good time to <coughs> um exper- exper- experiment with the squad and try to you know try out some new names, some um uh, just um to 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 see whether we have enough depth in our squad, uh, and uh, considering the fact that uh, PSG must be really pissed with uh, with Argentina for. Actually, uh, playing Messi and Paredes, uh, despite the fact that they played zero games, well, Paredes in particular played, played, as we said before, zero games for them since the last international break. Uh, I think uh, just as a, as a way to just keep not keep stoking the fire, they would just uh, not call them up uh, in, in January and February. as a a token of gratitude for for actually letting them go right now I would say I'd I'd be calling him up for
3: precisely that reason just to piss PSG off but then that's why I'm not an international football manager (laughs) (laughs) the the only reason of course that I'm not an international football manager Um, Andres how many points do you think Argentina will pick up from the last 12, I say the last 12 by the way because I'm assuming that we all agree that the Brazil match just isn't going to happen but from the four remaining matches how many points are you going for Andres?
2: Yes, I, I think that uh, they will get 10 points. Uh, yes, I, they will win both uh, the, the first three matches and perhaps against Ecuador uh, for the closing uh, closing the qualifiers. They will sure will that match. Uh, because of course, the, the, the toughest of, of four matches will be against Chile because of the, their need. The, the need that Chile has to, to get points, but... Uh, uh, the Argentina has, has also faced a, a similar match against Uruguay uh, in Uruguay, and and of course not being brilliant in their in their performance, but mm-hmm. uh, they they, they uh, achieved uh, they 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 got the the, the, the winning the, the win there, and and uh, I think that the play matches in which the other team has a low a high pressure or, or a big pressure to to win. I think that uh, it won't, won't be an additional handicap for Argentina. I think uh, so. Uh, perhaps uh, I, I like Sandy said, it, it will be without Messi. Perhaps, but uh, um, it will be good also to to try to be to get even a more solid team without him, so that when he gets to the team, uh, he is uh, of course very very important, but not it's like. We don't have Messi and we don't have a team. So I think it will be, uh, even, I don't say positive, but it will be good for, for, for the team itself. Mm. Yeah, and, and just as you were mentioning the Uruguay
3: match there, I was. I remembered that uh, the goal came about from, now this isn't a particularly high bar to clear, but from probably the, the five or ten seconds um, that have been most impressive in the whole of Paulo de Ballas. International career, uh closing down one of the opposing defenders, I forget who exactly, and nicking the ball off him and then making the pass to Angel Di Maria uh, to score the only goal of the match. Um, and was playing in quote unquote the Messi role for that game, uh at least in the starting lineup. Messi did come on in the second half. Um so yeah, it, it might very well be worth having a look at uh, well, first of all, at whether Paolo Divana can do a job. As an understudy for Messi when Messi isn't available and secondly if he can't then who might um and of course the disclaimer to these predictions that we've just been making are that is that uh, the um Ecuador match and the Venezuela home match are still pretty much four months away so you know if Argentina don't get eight points in Santi's opinion or ten points in mine and Andres's opinion Uh, then please don't blame us because we are predicting these from a very long way out indeed. Um, We shall now move on to a quick update on the situation in the women's championship, which has been, obviously it didn't happen over the weekend because we had um, elections, as I mentioned, but uh, it's happening right now. Is it the quarter five? I'm trying to find details of it and it's not showing, the women's games aren't showing up on my uh, live score up here but santi you've been to a match today tell us about it
1: yeah i actually went with uh with tony as you as you said before to bracing versus uh Uyurkisa. um it was a uh, kind of uh you know um a favor from tony because uh i'm actually writing uh i'm writing a thesis for my for my master's degree about you know uh, women's football and uh it was the perfect opportunity to attend the game, uh, and I think it was a pretty, pretty decent game. It, it ended five-two after all, uh, in favor of Giza. Uh, I think um, they look really, really well. Um, at the very least, they look like they have a, a very clear plan. They have a solid midfield, something that you clearly cannot say uh, for Racing. I think who actually entrusted uh, a nineteen-year-old. Um, just a very uh, one-dimensional ball-winning midfielder in with the keys to the whole to the go- to their whole you know bat to the whole battle which she lost heavily I-, I would say against uh, against Kisa. I-, I feel um, I should
3: point out at this point that that Tony isn't working at Racing anymore, so uh, this is not his responsibility that Racing was such a disaster.
1: Yeah, I mean. I mean, even his responsibilities, of course, were, you know, limited by the fact that he was... If he uh, wasn't the he manager. Just, uh, <laughs> suggesting, yeah, pretty much. He was, you know, suggesting uh, changes to, to, the, to the setup and then the, it was up to the manager to actually listen to him or not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about Toujoa here in the, the, the number 5, which was, you know, I think the the game just passed her by every time. Um and uh, actually, Racing Racing went one 0 down at halftime. Then they had a really strong showing straight straight uh, straight after the the second half uh, began. They they had a two goal flurry, one from a corner, and then and then the second from a very very well executed counter attack. Uh, but after that, I think uh, they they just mentally faltered after uh, Oyarzosa equalized straight after. Uh, I would also uh, like to say that uh, at the very least three of um, of goals, I think they were heavily. Res- uh, I think uh, goal uh, Racing's goalkeeper Alfaro was heavily responsible for them. Uh, she is just completely hopeless at managing corners, I would say. But uh, and why really used that in their favor? They were they were also really expansive. Uh, they. Saw through their midfield, as I said before, and then Racing defended way too deep and gave away a lot of spaces. And at the end of the day, I think uh, they just White just look like a really really strong team and one of the main candidates to to take the to take the title home. Um, especially, I, I would I would like to give a spe- special praise. I would say to uh, to 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 some of the, some of the key the key players from from that game. I would say. Let me just look for them, their their names, because I forgot. I mean, number 11, Paulina Gramaglia, who I think was probably man of the match. She was uh, constantly overlapping with... um,
3: Player of the match,
1: something. Or woman of the match. Woman of the match, (laughs) match. yeah. Yeah, these English expressions, you know, (laughs) catching up with me. Uh, Pretty much, I think, uh, yeah, she was absolutely one of the best, uh, one of the best performers of the morning. It feels would say, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, she was, uh, she was constantly creating danger at every single turn for them. And then Romina Nunez was her, um, was a way of Kizas is left back. Uh, she was, you know, in constant connection with Gramaglia and, uh, just, uh, creating so many problems for, for Racing's defense. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that those two were pretty much the, the key to, to winning the game, especially considering the fact that Nunez is right-footed playing at left-back, which meant uh, that uh, Racing's right-back was just so doubtful like when when it came to facing her. And, uh, and yeah, I think uh, are just looking really, really good at the moment.
3: Mm, that was one of the quarterfinals. The others... Uh, ended Boca 1 Independiente 0 uh, with a goal from Shamila Rodriguez River 4 Gimnasia 2 uh, uh, Gimnasia La Plata I should clarify because of course the, the clubs who are the big powerful ones are all uh, different in the women's game but it, it, that is the same club as in the men's game uh, Primera um, and San Lorenzo 3 Platense 1 with a hat-trick from Nayla Imbachi Um Yesterday afternoon. I do think it's a bit of a shame just on, on you mentioned in passing the kickoff time there. Then was it nine thirty in the morning it started why or pizza versus Racing
1: Yeah, I think um the the winner of that game will be facing River, uh, if I'm mistaken.
3: Okay, I've got Promiedos has it as a super classico in the semi and San Lorenzo oh, really? versus Wayor Pizza. but I mean that that might be wrong. But they have got a confirmar. Um,
1: on the date and uh, because time. Because I, I was just that... asking, I was asking Tony this moment, this morning, and he told me it was a uh, Y versus River and Boca versus. Uh, so in that versus... case,
3: I, I think I would be inclined to trust Tony <laughs> uh, over <laughs> over Premieros. But um, it, it's a shame that with the the league being professional now, that they still can't uh, apparently are unwilling to play at sensible kickoff times for a, a match as big as a championship quarterfinal. Um, yeah,
1: and also with so little, um, you know, time to plan the, yeah. those games as well. I mean, you, up until a few days before the game, we had zero clue on when those games were going to take place. And uh, and yeah, the as I said before, the, the, the schedules are absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing a game at 9.15 a.m. Is, is impossible.
3: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't allow, obviously, it makes it more awkward for, for fans to get there or whatever if they want to try and sell the league but it also just makes it very difficult for players to get up in time and eat enough to then go and run around the pitch for a couple of hours and you know expend the physical energy that that what well, take on board the, the carbs or whatever that they need to in order to expend all that physical energy um, so you know it's a professional league but it still isn't the most professionally run league necessarily at the moment Um moving on i think it's time for listeners questions and i just realized that i tweeted them and had them open on the computer that we're not using to record this which means i've got to get back into my twitter account or rather into the hand the pod twitter account uh which is one of my twitter accounts so yeah that still does count um here we go just as soon as this loads and then you scroll down and you find a whole bunch of while i was away um Da da, da, da da I think this is from last week. Oh, God, it's freezing up now. My phone's freezing as well. Fernet Footballer Perfect Tommy says, given the events of this past week, is Newells versus Rosario Central the most intense rivalry in Argentina, possibly the world? Um, I looked up what he was talking about and uh, I would dispute that it has very much to do with actual healthy rivalry. Uh, I would say that it has more to do with just idiocy. um
1: Tank violence.
3: But yeah, th- there was an attack on the Rosario Central Club headquarters uh, by a, I mean... I don't know by, by whom, but I'm assuming by, by the Newell's barra or something. I've, I've only seen headlines really. Um, a statue decapitated or something and, and a bunch of graffiti spray paint sprayed around or something. Is, is this right?
1: Yeah, I think they actually damaged uh Isaac Isaac Newell's uh nose in the fr- from that statue after they decapitated it and then they uh, the Newell's fans retaliated by throwing Molotov bombs, and then the the Newell's uh, the Newell's headquarters also got. Uh, I think they also put a bomb there. So you know, it's just uh, it keeps getting worse and worse with the passing of of days, even weeks. Yeah,
3: I mean, the short answer is that we, we've always said that the the classic Old Rossarino is one of the most intense, certainly. Arguably the most intense in Argentina and the world, but I'm not sure that the events of the last week. Um,
2: there was also that, a fire well. in the building of, of uh, Rosario Central, I think, uh, and also, of course, well, uh, uh, it's like like always happens. They say they send it like a message to 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 say that they are sorry about that, but well, uh, uh, it's not. Of course, they, It's nothing. That really will solve the the, the violence that has in Rosario. That is, uh, according to to, uh, I think that the question of, of 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 the listener comes by that side because there is a say higher violence in Rosario that perhaps there is in other uh, places in Argentina and and, and well, uh, if if because of that yes, it's a, the more intense rivalry perhaps.
3: Yeah, and, and it's also not as as you. As you say it it's more it's a problem in rosario as well as being a football related problem rosario has a this by the way isn't me saying oh for god's sake if you come to argentina from abroad you know it's it's a no-go zone or anything like it, it certainly isn't but there is um for for people who live there there, there, there is a, a greater degree of it than in most other cities in the country um Lawrence Hart says, "Who will go further in quarter? England or Argentina? Or if the draw is kind, could both potentially reach the final?" Um, I mean, I think England have um, if slightly less of a complete team at this point um, than Argentina. Um, I don't know what you two think.
1: I refuse to answer the question. <laughs>
2: Well, I, I must say England at this point uh, uh, because I don't want the English listener to, to be against me. But <laughs> but uh, I think it's a bit early to to, to uh, predict something serious about it. But uh, uh, yes, I would say England at this point. I don't think the listeners will be against you, Andres. The
3: listeners love you. They love us all. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that I, I do think that Argentina... Have, have got a better team um it's more balanced and they're better at the actual playing football side of things uh when they need to england have perhaps got a little bit more well perhaps they've got a little bit more depth really i'm, I'm not sure argentina have got a, a pretty good spread as well um but yeah i just i, I think argentina are, are, are a bit more complete and, and the other thing is that The European nations, I know I've said this many times before, but European nations have all got a massive inbuilt advantage with the way that the global economy is and the way that the footballing economy is at the moment. Um, And so from that point of view, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me if England end up going further um, than Argentina. England are obviously one of the top national sides in the world at the moment. Um, But in terms of this far out, a year before the tournament starts um i think that argentina on paper are probably the better football team that's not necessarily the same as saying i think they'll go further in in a knockout competition obviously uh liam kelly who is no relation to me has a related question early expectations slash predictions on how far argentina will go in cuata i wouldn't say they're favorites to win it but there are but a few teams wouldn't want to face them on current form i mean absolutely As, as santi mentioned at the very beginning of the show uh with his memory nudged a little bit by me um 27 matches unbeaten reigning Copa america champions i think means that we have to talk about argentina as among the favorites um for the first time really in in quite some time even in 2014 you know to start of the tournament nobody was mentioning argentina as among the contenders um this time around it's going to feel a little bit more
2: perhaps attainable isn't it guys I think that after the match that Argentina will play against Italy for that uh, Mm. sort of uh, final between the winner of the Euro Euro and the Copa America, I think that by that time we will be able to say uh, what is up to, uh, or what Argentina is up to, or what they are capable of, uh, because that will be a unique opportunity to, to, of course, to, to measure against a, a, a rival that could be dangerous in, in the World Cup. Googling that, but I think it was the 2002 World
3: Cup, wasn't it? I was trying to remember earlier, um, when Argentina just under Bielsa uh, finished miles away at the top of the table, um, and then ended up, obviously, when, when, when they got to Japan, being really rather disappointing. Uh, I'm just trying to remind myself now. Waiting for Wikipedia to load. Where's Conma? Yeah,
1: you're right. You're right. It, we were actually ahead of Brazil. Way ahead of Brazil. And they went on to, to win the whole thing afterwards.
3: Uh it's not giving me a table. Hang on a second. Sorry. Final standings. Yeah, 43 points. Uh, and second place. Ecuador had 31. And Brazil. Of course, I, I said earlier that Brazil weren't involved because they were the defending champions, but of course they weren't, well, because they? they lost the 98 final. They they, they won the 2002. Uh, World well Cup, and therefore didn't take part in 2006 in the in the qualifiers. Uh, no, Brazil they did. Finished... They
1: did play. I mean, the 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 country yeah. that uh, doesn't take place are the hosts, not the champions.
3: Yeah, but at that point, it was the champions as well. All um, oh, right. Uh, France wouldn't have played in the qualifiers for 2002, but I was getting them and Brazil mixed up. But Brazil finished third on 30 points, so 13 points behind uh, Bielsa's Argentina, um, and then ended up. Of course, well, we're linking our, our last two questions together now, aren't we? They ended up in a group with England and they went out to England. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say fingers crossed that that doesn't, you know, happen again. That, that history doesn't repeat itself because even if it's, you know, to England's benefit, I don't want Argentina to go out in the group stage. Um, in fact, I'd like them to go all the way to the final and then I'll have to make up my mind whether I want them to lose to England or not. Um, but yeah, I mean... Just, again, I, I suspect, Liam, that you're right, that they're probably not the favourites to win it. Um, but that never being be. said, I, I don't know who will be, you know. H- how many of the European nations, are, we can say are comfortably better than Argentina at the moment, especially after watching a bunch of them, you know, the European qualifiers, which are not the best indicator of who's any good and who isn't,
2: because of how
3: one-sided most of the groups tend to be.
2: Well, history won't be the same because uh, Argentina didn't win the, uh, the Copa America in 2001, so... No, true. Well, we didn't even
1: participate in two, two, yes. 2001. No. Uh,
3: Johnny says, is Santi Balsa related to Santi Casorla
1: I mean, I wish. <laughs> Contrary to, to popular... Belief actually Santi is not a surname but a name indeed but, Johnny's, uh, yeah, Johnny's I mean, been
3: it... here for some time I think he ought to know how this works by now but uh, <laughs> possibly not and Janet Hopper says will the football authorities actually create a, a climate in which Argentina could succeed in Cuarta?
1: Um
3: I mean they should be used to playing in the heat
1: at least well, maybe maybe he means climate in a more metaphorical sense. Maybe you know.
3: Oh, true. My, my mind went me- straight to straight to the climate-controlled stadiums that they're supposed to <laughs> which are going to be disastrous for the for our climate. Yeah, may, but, may, uh,
1: may, maybe he's talking about you know probably I don't know uh, choosing uh, the right uh, complex to 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 base the base the team or you know um, giving enough uh, guarantees to uh, to Scaloni something like that.
3: Yes, if, do feel free to, to clarify, Janet, and we'll have another go next week. But um, I, yeah, I mean, I can't see what, it, it, in terms of whether you mean climate literally or, or, you know, figuratively, will they allow Argentina to do well? I think that the second question is, is yes. There's no reason why not. Um, yeah, lovely. Right, gents, what do you say to Mystic Sam? After a couple of weeks off, it's time to see what I think is going to happen. In there are matches this weekend, aren't there? Yes, there are. Oh, in fact, they yes, there are. Actually, actually, we we Thursday might uh, we
1: might this might be depending on what we do on Tuesday. This might be the last recording, probably, before River wins the whole thing.
3: Okay, these matches begin on, as I've just expressed some surprise about, Thursday uh, afternoon. Union hosts Defensa y Justicia. I think that's going to be a Defensa y Justicia win. Patronato, I think, are going to lose at home to Lanús. And uh, Banfield versus Aldo Sibi will be a draw. Then we're on to Friday. Estudiantes versus Huracán, I think is going to be an Estudiantes win. Um, I'm going to go for San Lorenzo versus Gimnasia to finish all square Tacheres versus Vélez I think will be Vélez win oh no hang on a second Tacheres is the second
1: that's second versus fourth Um, you're talking about uh, one of the most informed teams in Argentina and that's going to be the game that will decide whether River will could could Uh, win the championship or uh, not I'm going to go for a draw there. Um, Argentinos
3: versus Godoy Cruz, also on Friday night, I think is an Argentinos win. On Sunday, no, wait, on Saturday. Saturday is the 20th, isn't it? Rosario Central versus Atlético Tucumán is a Central win. Boca will get a home win over Sarmiento. Central Córdoba will lose at home to Independiente. Um and now, oh, and then we're on to Sunday. Arsenal de Sarandí versus Newells, I think is a Newells win. Racing versus Colón will be a... I'll go for Colón to win that one. And Platense versus River, I think, will be a River win. Um, which, judging from what Santi's just said, I think means that I'm predicting River to be champions by the time we next record. Is that right? I've not looked at uh, the maths.
1: No, I, I think uh, ma- in mathematic terms... A draw means that uh Tagere's technically has a chance to uh, to match River on goal difference, but uh, not you know to to match River. But well, goal difference will probably mean it will never be enough. Uh, I uh, think the only the if only if guarantee is, is if they lose if Tajeres gets place. a
2: draw and River wins against uh Platense, then against Racing, they are oh, yeah, Thursday. yeah, yes if River I mean, wins next Thursday that will win that I mean that we are champions if my predictions just
3: now are correct then River will be 9 points clear with 9 points to play for when we record next week
1: um, and goal difference being the first tiebreaker is it? Yeah. Uh, no, actually I think uh, isn't it, isn't it uh, the case in Argentina goal difference is not a tiebreaker and in the case that two teams uh, go, into the, go after the final match they equal in points they have to play a final
3: Oh, that's a good point. I need to look that up again because yes. I I couldn't remember whether they I mean, scrapped that. That's what generally happens. But yeah, that is normally what happens in the championship um positions, isn't it? If two teams are tied for first place. Um, mm. and it I assume hasn't been changed, but there were so many rule changes the last couple of years that <laughs> I'm struggling to keep up. Um, anyway, we will look that up and you'll hear from us next week and we'll know. Um what what the situation is hopefully we'll know anyway we don't always it's not necessarily a given before we start recording anyway for now thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye from andres thank you goodbye from santi see you around and from me thank you and goodbye